encourage you that daily diet of the Word of God makes the difference in a life. And I was reading this in, in the book of Acts this week, and it just totally struck me. And it might have just been where I was this week. I got to tell you, my week was awesome. I mean, it was ministry-filled. I was able to, to do the work of the ministry all week. And, man, I, I just had a riot. And this inspired me. It says these words in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. And it says, and now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up. How many of you want to be built up? And give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. The truth is this, that if you know Jesus and you've accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior and you're being discipled daily, you are those that are set apart for himself. It goes on to say, I've never coveted anyone else's silver, gold, or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked. Somebody say, work it. Work it to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. There's that work again, that word work again. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is more blessed to give than receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. Amen. And I want to give you three quick thoughts on giving this morning. And I know sometimes this is a time where people jump on Facebook and they do everything that they should have done all week long. They do right now when the tithes and offerings are being brought. But I want to challenge you to let God's word take root in, in you today. And I want to launch off this idea is giving is to say. We say things by giving. You say things to your spouse when you give. How many of you know when your wife gets flowers, you say something to them? How many of you know when you make a dinner for your spouse, you say something to them? How many of you know when there's a birthday and you give to that person, you say something? Giving is to say something. My first thought is giving is to say, I entrust my everything to God. We all come to this place and uh, yesterday was a busy day and I uh, had interactions with people and we all come to a place where we understand we don't control much. I should get more amens than that from the parents that have raised teenagers and adults. We all come to a place where we understand we don't control what people do. We don't control what people say. We don't control what our bosses do. We don't control what our spouses do. We don't control uh, the, our friendships. We don't control any of that. But when we give to God, we say, I entrust my everything to you, Lord. The only thing we have control of is our obedience to God. And I love Sam's message on Thursday night because it highlights that. We have a choice in obedience, to walk in obedience with the things of God. And that's why I say to you, you, you have a choice to read the Bible. Nobody's going to sit and watch you every day and, and monitor. You know, some of us kind of like that. We want to be monitored. We want to be uh, pushed and prodded. But the truth is no one's there to do it for you. You've got to walk in obedience for yourself. And giving is to say, I entrust everything that I have to you. And I understand I have zero control over anything. 
I don't know the, the beginning from the end. I don't know the good from the bad all the time. But God does. There is a God in heaven who knows the, the beginning from the end. Do you know that God isn't held by time? That we are people of time. That the sun comes up in the morning and it goes down at night. We're tired in seasons. The, the, the crops are sown in season and harvested in season. We are held by time, but God is not held by time. God spoke time into existence so he can back up and go forward and jump into the middle of any circumstance at any time, at any place in the human life. God is not held by time. God holds our time in his hands. And when we say, when we give, we say, I entrust my everything to you. Ryan, I don't have a dollar to give. I don't have any money to give. You have something you can give. People come in here on Monday and Friday mornings and clean. And they wipe every chair. They they clean the bathrooms. They clean the toilets. Everything in here is always immaculate because someone decides to give something. When we give, we say, I entrust my everything to you. Listen to the words of Psalm 37. It so says these words. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hands. I was young and now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. This scripture is to say, I know my life is in your hands. And when you give to God at any level, you say, I entrust my everything to you. My first thought, giving is to say, I entrust my everything to you. My second thought is this, giving is to say, your grace and inheritance is greater than anything, catch this, that I can create, that I can cultivate, or I can conjure. You know that you've conjured once or twice in life, amen. You don't have to look at me like that. His grace and his inheritance is greater than the things that we can create in our own strength. Can I tell you, sir, ma'am, your, your diploma's great. Your accolades are great. Everything that you've created is great, but the inheritance and the grace that God has for you, it'll keep you married when you know you shouldn't have been able to stay married. It'll bring you health when you know you did all the wrong things for years and years. All of a sudden, it'll bring you a grace on your life, a grace on your marriage, a grace when your kid, you know they should have went to jail and they didn't go to jail. That's the kind of grace that God brings on a life. I know that resonates with some more than others. When, when you were having a heart attack in a restaurant and you, you thought to yourself, am I going to live through that? And the grace of God sets on you in that moment. That's the inheritance to those who believe. That's the inheritance to those who trust in the Lord for everything. Giving is to say your grace and inheritance is greater than I am. Listen to these words. I've read this before, but I want to continue to read it because it's an important reminder. Luke 18 says these words. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom will fail to receive many times as much. Listen to this. In this age and in the age to come. 
What does that mean today? That means that you just don't get heaven as an inheritance. In this age here on earth, when you are in covenant, when you walk in the things of God, there is an inheritance that you receive on this side of heaven. Heaven aside, we'll walk on streets of gold. We'll, we'll walk down streets where the saints before us have gone. We have a home in heaven when we name Jesus as the Lord of our lives. But God is saying to you, I want to work through you an inheritance that you can't cultivate, you can't create, and you can't conjure up, and I want to do it in this present age. Giving is to save. Giving is to save. There's an inheritance. Giving, lastly, is to say this. I understand I'm not happy, nor have I found fulfillment until I contribute instead of consume. Do you know that when you consume, you can't get happy? Oh man, I love I, I love this this dinner, honey. My my wife, she's got this thing with cooking, amen. And I, I need prayer on it. And uh, she cooked a meal on Friday night, and I'm telling you, it was like a miracle happened in our kitchen, amen. And what she does, and she does it with my dad too. She'll dish out a meal. And then she'll stand there. And I'll say, honey, why aren't you eating anything? Oh, no, I just want to see what you guys think of it first. And she watches the expression that we have. And I don't even know what kind of expression I make. I feel like I'm in the heavenly somewhere. And she made this enchilada dish, and she watched me to eat it. And it blessed her so much that she contributed to my happiness in that moment. Do you know that's just not in the natural, that's in the supernatural, that when you contribute to seeing someone's salvation come alive, you can stand back and go, man, look how far God brought them. Look at the miracle. Look at the signs. Look at the wonders. He did. And, and it's okay to be excited about it. It's okay to be happy about it. It's okay to be jovial about it. Hey, I contributed to that salvation. I contributed to that miracle. I contributed to that sign and that wonder. Coming in here and drinking the coffee is great. I like the light. How many of you love the lights? I love to see the lights. I love the, the chairs that, that we sit in. I, I love the heat in here. Amen. I love walking in in the dead of summer and walking into the air conditioning and saying, thank God I don't have to sweat another second. I love all that stuff, but that's a consumer mindset. Here's what a contributing mindset says. Catch this now. Man, I love the air conditioning. I help make that happen. Lord, you allowed me to make that happen. I love the Thanksgiving dinner that's just about to happen. I was able to help make that happen. I love the, the Christmas giveaway that's going to happen at St. Anthony's and the kids that don't have any Christmas presents all of a sudden have Christmas presents and I was able to be a contributor to that. When you move from a consumer mentality and you move into a contributing mentality oh man you will understand a happiness and a fulfillment that you'll never receive in your own strength Hebrews 13 says this don't neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God 
What happens when we have a heart to give? I'm going to tell you what happened to me. How many of you want to hear my testimony from the week? How many of you say, uh, I'm not jealous, I'm not a hater, I just want to hear what God is doing in other people? I was, I was a little apprehensive to share this because you know people get jealous. You, you know how it is. This is what happened to me. Do you remember the testimony I shared with you that I got sued? And I met with a woman and the Lord spoke to me. You didn't get sued because something was going to get taken from you. I wanted to give something to you. I met with this woman, just to paraphrase the story, and I, I had met her a couple years prior, and I knew her, her daughter, her 39-year-old daughter, 39-year-old daughter had had cancer, and I looked at her immediately. I said, how's your daughter doing? She began to weep and cry. She said, my daughter died six months ago. And I got a moment to, to begin to minister to her in that moment. And I walked out of that restaurant. I felt so convicted because I was mad that I got sued. Amen. You'd be mad too. But I walked into that restaurant to meet with her. And God told me, I didn't allow you to get sued so something could take, be taken from you. I allowed you to get sued so you could minister to this woman because you'd have never met her outside of it. We got all done. I'm crying. She's crying. The Holy Spirit was right in Dunkin' Donuts. Amen. The coffee didn't hurt. And we were in there, and I get this call two weeks ago. I look at my phone. I had saved her number. She's, she's my parents' age, and, and she left. And I called her back, and I said, hey, how you doing? And she said, don't you dare share my name when you get up there, because I know you're going to share the story. I said, yeah, I'm going to share it. And I saw the number, and she said, I want you to know that uh, there was a fire in downtown Rochester. An hour. It ended up being an hour from here. East Rochester, way out, way out. And there was a fire, and she said the fire was in the basement, but the claim and the type of insurance that they have, they can't make the repair, so the insurance company paid the, the uh, grocery store owner for all the product throughout the whole grocery store. But she said, there's nothing wrong with the food. I can't throw it in a dumpster. And she said, I was thinking about it. And she thought, oh, you're the only guy I know that will give food away. So I got to call you and I got to ask you, will you come to this grocery store? You're feeling God's presence right now as I share this with you. She says, I got to call you and I got to ask you, will you come up here and will you take all the food in the grocery store out and will you give it away to people? I drive downtown Rochester. Now I'm thinking, oh, there's going to be five bags of chips and a couple bottles of pop. I drive downtown Rochester with a 40-foot enclosed trailer. 40 feet. That's a big trailer. And I brought my dad with me. Amen. I worked him like a dog that day. And we cleaned out an entire grocery store. There was so much food in that grocery store, it wouldn't even fit in the food pantry if I tried to put it in there. Oh, look at the picture up there. Look at that. You know who that guy is? We worked all day cleaning this product out of this grocery store. Do you know why God gave me the opportunity to collect all that product? Do you know why? Because he knew I wouldn't covet it 
and want it. I'm pulling stuff off the shelves. I'm going, man, my wife would never buy this. We're way too cheap to buy this stuff. Amen. And we're bagging it up and boxing it up and putting it in a trailer because God knew I wouldn't keep it for myself. i just give it away to those in need. And can I tell you today, you say, well, I never had an opportunity to clean out a grocery store. I never got the opportunity. I was never open. The, the door was never open for me to do something like that. The door is open if you make $10 to give God a tenth. And he's not going to give you more. He's not going to give you a grocery store until he can trust you with what you have in your hand right now. I walked in that grocery store. I said, thank you, Lord. I'm so happy to clean this place out. It's just before Thanksgiving where things get tight. It's just before Christmas where things get tight. But the city church in St. Anthony's is going to have more than enough. Man, that doesn't make you as happy as it makes me. But it makes me happy in the Lord. When God knows that you're more concerned about his business than you are with your business, there's no end to it. There's no end to it. He'll give you so much. He'll open up the windows of heaven. You'll say to yourself, what in the world am I going to do with all this? And I know there's some people that would like that chance. You've got that chance. Give to the Lord what he's doing. Would you lift your hand if you receive the word this morning? Father, in Jesus' name, as we give, push pay, boxes, however we give, if we don't have 10 cents to give and we give of our time, Father, I ask in Jesus' name that the type of miracle that I've just described will come alive in a home, that testimonies would be birthed in this house of your grace and goodness for people who struggle. They just make an ends meet, just dollar to dollar, just hour to hour. I pray that you'd illuminate in their heart that they are a conduit, not a pond, that you've called them to a purpose. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, come on and say amen this morning. Would you welcome the big guy? Good morning. God bless you. You look great. Look at your neighbor and say, you look like you've lost some weight. Well, now, why aren't some of you doing that? Just go ahead and do that. Speak that forth. I want to welcome our online audience. So glad that you're with us today. Can we put our hands together for all that are watching today? Love you. Thank God for you. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. There's a table in the back that you can get some information on that as well. And we pray for those who have been through it, maybe going through it. We pray grace and, and God's peace on you this month. Don't forget water baptism as well. Uh, at the end of the month on the 30th, if you have not been water baptized, you need to go all in with God and make that commitment. There's a sign up there. Pastor Aaron will be there. She'll help you if you have some questions some fears about it, um, you can get through those today. And also November 3rd, our installation of Pastor Ryan as lead pastor and his wife being ordained that night. Really want you to put that on your calendar to be here. Aren't you thankful for what God is doing in his house? I want to expose a liar today. That's what I'm going to do. His name is the devil. Some of you are worrying about, God, does he know something? <laughs> no. So, Lord, I just thank you for your grace today and for your help. Have your way in every one of our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.
I want to, I talked last week on the subject, when the flood comes, and I correlated it with what has happened in our nation with the hurricane, and um, the devastation is still being realized. It's just so incredible. I don't think some of us can even fathom that, but what happens in your life, in my life, when the enemy comes in like that? And, and the scripture says in Isaiah 59, 19, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, not if, it says when he does. And I wish I could tell you today that when you give your life to Christ, everything is good and you'll never have another difficult moment ever in your life. But the opposite of that is true. We go through things in our lives. We face challenges. We face difficulties we face disappointments. We face hurts. And I also want to just say to you today that everything negative that may happen in your life is not from the enemy. We give him far much too, credit, too much credit sometimes for things he had nothing to do with. And, but I want to put it in perspective today so that you can know what it is that we can do in that moment because he is up to no good in your life and in mine. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 eight that to be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone that he can devour. And the reality of this is that many people don't believe in the devil. They don't think there's any enemy. In fact, the poll was done where 60% of Christians say they don't believe that there is a devil. They don't believe that there is an enemy. And the reality of that is, is that the enemy actually prefers you not to believe that he is really in existence because he wants to come in. He wants to take hold of your life and of your family. He wants to covertly slip in. The Bible says, give him no foothold. My brothers and sisters, all you have to do is open up a little bit and he's coming in to your life. And we need to learn to know how to deal with that. We need to know how to go against that. Paul says in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all the armor of God that you can take your stand, look at it, against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, you need to... Some of you need to take some notes on this. And if you want my notes, email me. They're always available. Any message, pm at thecitychurch.com. I'll send them to you, pm at thecitychurch.com. But sometimes writing something down helps you to log it in. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Some of you here, you're angry, you're mad at people in your life, and you're fitting right in to the enemy's schemes for your life. And it's not you getting mad at them that hurts them. It's you holding a grudge against them that hurts you. And it opens the door. It cracks the door for the flood to come into your life. Let me tell you something. He's, he wants to come in through keyholes and holes everywhere else in your life. Don't open the door and just say, come on in by having unforgiveness and hatred and animosity and jealousy and hurt and all that nonsense in your life. Let 
God help you with that. He said to put on that armor of God because we don't struggle against flesh and blood. Look at it, but against powers of this dark world. He describes the world we live in as dark against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put it all on. Not just a little dab, all of it. When the, so when the day of evil comes, there it is again, when? Not if. When. You can stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand. I love this. Stand. When you've done, you say, oh, I've just done all I know to do. You keep on doing it. You don't stop. You don't give up. You don't take another route. You don't go back to the way you used to be. Oh, I never had this problem when I, before I got saved. I'm just going to go back to all my butt. No, you don't. Don't you dare do that. You keep on standing. You keep on moving in the direction that God has called you. When you've done all the stand, stand firm then and with the belt of truth. And he, he gives this metaphor of, of the armor of God, the belt of truth, the breast, breastplate of righteousness, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel, the shield of faith that you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Five offensive, or five defenses and one offense, and it's the Word of God. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against me. Jesus, when he was tempted in, uh, on the mountaintop, when the enemy came against him, he said, the word says this. He quoted the word. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you need to stand on God's word, not on your own strength, not on your own ability, but on the word of Almighty God. Come on, if you receive that, put your hands together for Jesus. <clears throat> Here he says again in 2 Corinthians 10, he says, for we live in the world, we don't wage war like the world does. We're not part of this anymore. You're here, but you live in a different dimension when Christ is your Lord. The weapons that we fight with, they with are not the weapons of the world, which are hurt, unforgiveness, anger. When I was writing this out, the word just dropped into my heart. Retribution. I, I thought I knew what it meant, but I wanted to write it down anyways. It means punishment inflicted on someone as a vengeance for their wrong. Like you're, you're going to get back at somebody. They did this to me. They said this to me. They said this. Come on. You don't fight with that weapon anymore. Are you listening to me today? This is real for somebody today because you're wasting your energy and your life. You're getting old fast. You're getting more gray hair because you're trying to do it all in your own strength. And the Bible says, Paul says right on that, he says, on the contrary. He said, we have divine power, divine power, Holy Spirit power to demolish strongholds in our lives. We demolish, here it is, arguments. Some of my brothers and sisters, you're arguing and you're wasting life. Husbands and wives, if you're going home and you're just arguing all the time, you need to get some help with that. 
You need to allow some godly people and some voices in your life. You say, well, I got that, and we still argue. Maybe you don't have the right voices in your life. We have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and pretensions that set itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every negative thought, every negative word that comes out of our in our heart wants to come out of our mouths. We take it captive and say, no, we're not going to say that. We're not going to think that. We're not going to act like that. That's not who we are. We are children of the Most High God. We have divine power inside of us to demolish the power of any stronghold in our lives, which a stronghold is a prisoner locked by deception, living life by something that is not true, or anything that exalts itself in our minds, pretending to be bigger or more powerful than our God. I, uh, I went to an event, and I don't go... I don't go anywhere on Saturdays. I don't, I don't like to go because of this right here, because I know the enemy, there would be nothing more that he could do to have a scheme against me if I went somewhere on a Saturday. I don't go. I was asked several months ago to be a part of this, and I went, and I'm there, and I'm thinking, what am I doing here? <clears throat> it's against, you know, kind of my conviction, but I thought, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. I was asked... And I'm there, and I'm, I'm standing there, and there's people all around. It's, you know, it's just, it's just something. Anyways, all of a sudden, this man told me, just came over, don't know him, and never met him before, never seen him before. He says, yeah, I'm here. My wife, she's in the hospital, and she, she wanted me to come, and so I came. It's okay, and I knew right then and there. God sent me there for this man. And I'm standing there, and he's talking to some other people. And and all of a sudden, I saw him kind of alone, and I went over and I said, what's your wife in the hospital for? He drops his head, and she said, he said, we lost our first baby, and she's taking it really hard. It almost took her life. And now she's dealing with such depression, and her family has some issues that have never arisen in her life. But when this happened, it sent her over the edge. And he said, on top of it, the doctor said that the chances of her ever getting pregnant for us having our own children are pretty much zero. I just remembered something right there. Because when I heard that, I knew God had divinely sent me for this man. I asked, I said, what's your wife's name? They said, it's Marissa. I said, to him, I said, I, I'm a pastor. And I said, I believe God sent me here tonight to tell you this, that your life is not over, that the best days of your In fact, I want to tell you a story. I said, there's a young man in my life who's been a part of our church for years. I remember when he and his wife got married, they tried to have kids, and the doctor said to them, you probably will never have children. It would be very difficult for that ever to happen. And you know what? He just celebrated with his family the fourth birthday party of his third child. I told the story about Brad and Kelly. You know, because the enemy was lying to that man, and he had no one else to tell him truth. But God sent me 
to Rochester last night on a Saturday that I don't go anywhere, but that I went so that I could tell him that if God be for us, who can be against us? And when the enemy comes in like a flood, you got to stand in the middle of that. God says, I'll raise up a standard. I'll put a flag down. I'll bring all the hope and the help that heaven has to offer, and I'll bring it on your behalf and come to help you and to strengthen you and to give you hope and to give you a purpose and to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. When my wife, when we got, you know, the word that she had a lump for breast cancer and you know what the enemy did for me? He came in like a flood. So you lost your sister to cancer, you lost your mother to cancer, and you're going to lose your wife to cancer. And I'm going to tell you what, you want to talk about fear that just gripped our heart. We, we begin to pray. And we could feel the grace and the love of God begin to flow into our lives. Listen, she went through the, the lumpectomy, she went through chemotherapy. Then they said she's got to go through Ray lost her hair. If you were here, you saw it. You, you saw it take place. But in the middle of that, I never said, I never caved in to what the enemy told, tried to tell me through the flood coming into my life that I was going to lose my wife. And I said, we're going to celebrate. Every time she'd get chemotherapy, I'd go to the jewelry store and I'd bring her a gift. I'd say, honey, you're going to wear this all the time, the rest of your life. We're going to live to an old age together. We're going to drive our children crazy when we get older. And I'm going to tell you something. When you begin to speak the grace and the word of God over your situation, I speak it over her life. I speak it over your life right now. I feel God's power right now. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. By his stripes ye are healed. Jesus shed his blood to give you victory and give you power. And you cannot let the enemy come in and rob and steal what he has entrusted to give to you. And you got to know in the middle of all this, amen, come on, that the enemy is real. He wants to take your life. He's not cute. It isn't some fantasy. It's not something we, we play along with. Oh, you know, I don't need this Jesus that you're talking. Ha, ha, ha. I'm going to go to hell with all my friends. And I'm go We're just going to party. You will never party if you go into a Christless eternity. You will be separated from God, and there's no second chances once you close your eyes. I'm sorry, there is no purgatory. There is no purgatory. I love my, my brothers and my sisters who bank on that, but that's a lie because it gives us this out that we can act and do anything we want here. And when we die, then we get this other chance. You get the last chance right now, but it's the best chance you could ever take. Why would anybody not want to give Christ their life? He is real. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen 14, that Satan himself masquerades as an angel. Oh, he looks good on the outside. But let me tell you, his intention is to kill you, to steal, and to destroy your life. The Bible says in Revelation 12, 7 through 9, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. And the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil 
or Satan who leads, look at that, the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Listen, I'm not telling you this to live in fear. I'm telling you this to push you to living for Christ and giving your all to him. Because the enemy's goal is to destroy you. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give you life. And not just any normal kind of life. Give it to you in abundance. And the devil has to respond to a greater authority. Greater is he, 1 John 4.4, 4, that is in you than he that is in the world. And we experience these victories, when the flood comes in, when we speak the name of Jesus, speak it, say his name. Luke 10, 17, 72, return with joy. I love this. Lord, even demons submit to your name. He replied, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky, drop to the earth like lightning from heaven. And I have given you authority, look at this, to trample on snakes. Rebecca, that's for you. Scorpions and to over... It's a little inside joke. She hates snakes. Yeah, trample them all. To overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Paul said in Philippians 2.10 that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord he is Lord. And when we believe in the blood of Jesus that has been shed for us, because the Bible says in Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And learn the word of God. You have to have God's word in you. Jesus said, John 8, 31, if you hold to my teaching, you are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you, set you, it will release you to be free like you have never been before. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth, for your word is truth. His word, heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. Come on, I feel like preaching a little bit right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wind it down, Debbie. Come on up. What do we got to do every day? Because the enemy is going to try to come in every day. He's going to try to come in like a flood. But you can help withstand that. You can do things that will keep him at bay. Number one, you've got to commit yourself completely to God. Not partially. Put on the whole armor of God. Everything in your life. You've got to give it all to him. And your authority with the enemy is only as strong as your relationship is with God. You're going to heaven, but you don't have to live outside of that power and let the enemy just pound you into submission all the time. You need to trust him. James 4, 7 and 8 says, submit yourselves to God. Number one, submit to God completely, totally. Number two, resist the devil. Stop giving him an opening in your life. Whew, I feel God pushing me right now. And then the Bible says, He will flee from you. Submit to God, one. Resist the devil, two. And number three, bid him farewell. Hasta lo vistas, baby. You're out of here. you got to trust God 
with all your heart. I'm getting a call from potential spam. See, the devil works in that spam calls, doesn't he? You're gone, devil. I deleted it right away there. Listen, some of you, God, he's prompting you to get water baptized, but you're afraid. You know, you don't want anybody to see you wet. Everybody loves you. Go all in with God. Pastor Aaron will be at the table. She'll have the, the sign up with her if you have a question about it. Go all in with them. Number two, close any open doors. Listen, close them doors. 2 Corinthians 2, 10 11. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that, look at Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. He says again, Ephesians 4, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Some of you husbands and wives, you need to learn to stay up a little later. You're going to bed angry, work it out. Don't give the devil a foothold. This is so important. And I, I felt this morning as, as we were preparing and that there's a couple here. Maybe there's more than one. You've opened the door through unforgiveness, animosity. Maybe it's to one another. Maybe your husband did something. Maybe your wife did something. And you can't get past it. I want to just encourage you. Don't, don't open up that door. For some of you, I'm just going to throw this in there because of the time of year. You make a big deal out of Halloween and you think it's just cute and fun. I'm, I don't preach against it. I have people get mad, leave the church because I preach about the truth of Halloween. Oh, we do an outreach on that night. Some people, you know, people the other way, they don't like. You're not going to change the world by, you know, getting mad. But I want to engage. We're going to give out candy, feed people. We're going to have fun. We're going to glorify God, not the enemy. You know, you're not going to see any skeletons hanging up. Careful about buying your kids little devil suits. Careful. It's an opening. Say amen, Pastor. Help me feel okay up in here. Ephesians 5.11 have nothing to do with fruitful deeds of darkness. Nothing. And then last, confront the enemy in prayer. It doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be silent. But it needs to be active. Where's your prayer life? Where are you with that? 1 Peter 5.8.9 Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you have power in the name of Jesus. You have power with the blood of Jesus. You have power with the word of God. Let me just say this. I wrote this down. When you enter into the house of God, begin to lift your voice. Begin to lift up your hands. When you do that, you tell the enemy that God is greater. That God is stronger. That my God will lift that standard against him and give me 
the victory. The Bible says in Psalm 149, verse 6, let the high praises of God be in our mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. When you lift your voice to God and you declare the word of God, the enemy must run, flee. You chase him right out of town. Come on. Years ago, I've told this story before. You know, being a parent is not for the faint of heart. I've I faced off things in our marriage with our children, every one of them. I remember in a season in our lives, I remember having this dream where this big, I can see it like it was yesterday and it was, it was 28, 29 years ago that this big black bus pulled into our driveway. That's when we lived on Griswold Road years ago. And I remember seeing it, and I remember the Lord say, you can let that bus stay here, but if you do, the enemy is on it, and he's going to come in and take over your home. I remember getting up. I, I mean, this was so, I knew it was from the Lord. And I got up. I could see it like it was yesterday. And I spoke, and I said, you back out as fast as you pulled it. You leave now. And I said, in the name of Jesus, get out now. And I can hear it. I can see that, that bus begin to back out. And as it was backing out, I just said, get out. Leave now. You have no control. You will not have any dominion in our home and our household. And that bus left, and the enemy left with it. Some of you that are here, you need to tell the enemy, get out. Some of you that are watching online, you've opened the door. Humble yourself before him. Close your eyes, bow your head with me this morning. I want to I pray with you this morning. If any of what I said today has resonated in your heart. Maybe you've opened a door. Maybe you've let that flood has come into your life. I want you just to raise your hand. I want to pray for you right where you're at. If you're at home, just go ahead and raise your hand home. God sees that hand and he can minister to you right where you're at. Pastor Ryan, come on up. In the name of Jesus. Put that hand up. In the name of Jesus, I come against evil and the forces of hell in somebody's home and in their family in Jesus' mighty name. I curse the works of darkness. And I pray that this will be a day where a turning will take place in every heart and in every life. Now, God, we give you praise and we give you thanks. Come on, open up your mouth and just say, God, thank you today. Come on, all over the house, everyone, just say, you can say thank you for somebody else in your row, somebody around you. Just say, God, we thank you. We praise you today. When we praise him, the enemy must flee because in the presence of two or more, he is there and God inhabits the praises of his people. Come on, now open your mouth just for a moment. Just say, God, I love you. I thank you, God. Thank you that you're greater than that thing that is trying to hurt me and take hold of my life. Lord, I pray blessing 
I pray grace. I pray the goodness of God over every life, over every home, and every family today. In Jesus' name. Come on, say a good amen to him. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. You know it. Sing it with me. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms may all pass away but there's something above that name oh king Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Oh, king, kings and kingdoms will all. But there's something about that name. But there's something about that name. Go ahead and say his name. Just say his name. Jesus, Jesus. But there's something about But there's something about that name. Father, I pray that faith would arise and that the enemy would scatter. I rebuke every stronghold every demonic force in Jesus' name. And we thank you for your power and presence. Have your way in each life, I pray today. Let today be a celebration of what you've done in a heart we thank you for. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so thankful that you've been here today. Those of you that are at home, God bless you so much. And go Bills. Amen.